I don't know. Technology, man. Yes, I love technology. Not as much as you but I still love technology. technology. <laughs> Always, <laughs> forever. <laughs> we'll put this in the like. Is there a podcast outtake thing? Do people do that? <laughs> Our candy bag. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that phrase. Candy bag. It sounds like you're an older gentleman in a van. That's like, check out my candy bag. Something from my candy bag. Who has a candy bag? I'm just picturing like a burlap sack full of like it old. Makes me candy. think of Halloween. Oh, that makes sense. That's really the only time that you have a candy bag. It is what it is. We're all just doing our best here. One, two, one, two, three, four. We're all just doing our best. Do 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 doing our best. Do 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 doing our best here. We're all just doing our best. Do 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 doing our best. Do 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 doing our best here. Hi, folks. Welcome back to We're All Just Doing Our Best Here. I'm GB, and on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about what it's like to find that balance when you are pursuing a career in the arts. We're going to do that by talking to my one of my favorite people on the planet, Madeline Joy Brashear, or MJ. I can't remember which one she told us to call her, so I'm covering both my bases right now. Um, but she is pursuing a career as an actor, and Candace has also done that. And I did that as well, so we all have a lot to talk about. And, uh... We're going to play that interview for you now. All right, so we have Madeline Brashear with us today. And I've known Madeline since she was 13. Does that sound right? Yeah. yeah. Um, since she was 13, uh, she was the most adorable Annie in Annie the Musical. And I played Grace Farrell, and, which is the secretary to Warbucks who's basically the mother figure in Annie's life, in case you don't understand what happens in that musical. And um, Candace's husband, Andrew, was actually Warbucks, and we all just became like a tiny family, and we've all been best friends ever since. But Candace, you've actually known Madeline longer than I have. Yeah, I mean, we weren't like super tight when she was a frog, but um, <laughs> yeah, we met uh when our pads crossed for the first time that wasn't a fart that was my phone just so everybody knows that vibrated on the table wasn't a fart um I didn't trust you <laughs> yeah i'm just covering it was it was a fart no it wasn't a fart it wasn't let the record show um no uh i was i was 13 when we did honk and how old were you i was Eight. That seems right. You were tea tiny. Yeah. You and and, and little Liz, who is her sister. Yeah, you were in my first show ever. So that was your first show ever. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh yeah, she was real cute, y'all. She was a frog. What else were you? Did you get to play other various things? Um, fish, like I was a fish or something like that, like a barnyard animal when they needed an extra one but I was mostly a frog that is that was my sole purpose in life and you served it you served it I did I did 
Um, but yeah, so uh, through the years, they all got really tight, like she said, during Annie. And um, so they were really close with my now husband um, when he was bald. And what a fun time that was for everyone, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, after Andrew and I started dating, I got the fortune of being kind of added into this beautiful, magical friend group. And so uh, I guess around the time I was 18 was when I really started to get into the life of Madeline Brashear. I still can't believe you were that young when you and Andrew started dating. I, I, I just eternally think you're like 30. Um, that blows my mind. I remember when it was happening and we were all like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I feel like this is talked about every single episode. My, <laughs> my relationship with Andrew and us meeting and us dating. It was a big deal. It's still it a big such deal. A, it was such a, um, a community theater like <laughs> love story that everyone was so invested in. Yeah. It's just something every girl wishes would happen to her. Like, you're the bell, he's the beast. It's just like, what? Ginny Beth, you don't agree with me? No, I agree with you. I was just like, Andrew's every girl's fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> We are, we are, and, uh, but yeah, so that was cool, and it led me to the, the Brashears as a family unit, and, uh, you come from good stock there, Madeline. So, Madeline just graduated from, uh, Renau. She was a big, big part of the Gainesville Theater Alliance there, and you had the real unfortunate pain-in-the-butt situation of graduating during this lovely quarantine time that we're all going through um and and starting out to like launch out into your career as somebody that wants to be in the arts and and make their life doing that and it's like a weird time right like tell me me what you're going through with that yeah graduating via zoom was not what i thought was going to happen um (laughs) I mean, luckily, I'm very well supported. So I, you know, I have a wonderful family that supports me financially. I'm religious. I, all those things. So I didn't feel, I feel like a theater specific, theater specifically, theater majors were really affected. I hate to say that. It sounds so silly, but like a lot of our lives are like literal touch contact. So it was really, really hard to see people. I was like in the middle of a production and everything. So it was really hard to like see people for a few weeks and like be, you know, uh, doing our physical theater and really being excited to tell a story. Um, cause that's kind of what I counted as my graduation and, um, to not get to do that was way more devastating than not graduating. Um, cause obviously I get my diploma regardless, but I don't really get to have that final production as a senior. So that was pretty sad. Um, and then also just as you guys know, as theater artists, it's like really hard to live months without seeing anyone cause we're mostly extroverts, if not ambiverts. So, yeah, I just, it was more depressing than anything, but I already feel like, even if this is like the saddest situation ever, I still feel more hopeful than most people do. So I count myself pretty lucky um, to be where I am. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's silly at all to say that theater majors were more affected because if you are an English major, you can write at home. But if you're a theater major, 
I mean, people are trying to figure out ways to do it, but you can't perform a production at home by yourself. It's just you have to be in your cast or with your cast and on a stage and, you know. So that makes perfect sense. And I'm bummed for you that that is how it went, but I'm so proud of you for all that came before it that led up to this degree because I feel like we jumped the gun a little bit because I would really like to talk about kind of your journey to deciding to be a theater major when you went to college and and some of the time uh, in this community theater where we all met, you know, what really solidified the career path that you're on and the education path that you went on? Cool. Um, I did a lot of community theater when I was younger because I went to a really, really small high school and we didn't have the means to do big productions every year. So I ended up doing community theater because someone told me I should do it. And I never stopped after that because it was like the only place. Because at first I think the reason I was doing theater was not because I loved to act, but just because I didn't have many friends. Um, And that was the only place where I found people like me. So I didn't stop doing it for a long while. And then I remember um, eventually I started trying to do other things like upward sports and like soccer and things like that. And I, I like, I still like team sports, but I just don't have any talent or knack for it. Um, so I just realized that the theater was kind of the only place that I felt like I was actually good at something, which surprised me because that is not the original reason I did theater. Uh, was not because I felt like I was good at it. Um, but I realized kind of that I had, if not like a natural ability for it, that I was just conditioned that at that point to be better at it. Um, so I didn't stop doing theater after that. I, I probably did like three to four productions a year, depending on the year. I, we never stopped me and my sister and my brother all did it. Um, because I don't know why, but our mother just like kind of loved the idea. Um, she always loved old moody movies and would show me, uh, fill on the roof and singing in the rain. So I think that just appealed to her. I don't think, um, she ever had any questions about it. So we skipped from, we ended up kind of doing about, um, I think from the time that I was eight to the time that I graduated high school, I did around uh, 30-ish productions, um, which was a crazy amount. And I still haven't ever met anyone who's done that many. Um, Probably not entirely healthy for me, but I had a great time. Um, And I had friends, which was the most important part. And I also, I think the thing that I loved so much about community theater was that I had friends of all ages. Like, I could befriend someone who was my age, but then I also had friends who were in their 20s, uh, early 20s, and late 20s, and early 30s, and even into their, like, 60s, who basically told me that life was going to get better, and it was clear because I was, like, in a place with them where they were better, so I think it was just kind of a source of hope in the beginning, Um, and then I remember, and I'll shout her name out, she was amazing, Joy Giles, uh, or Giles, I don't remember how you say it now, Um, but she just she confided in me that she thought that I had something special and I had never had anyone say that to me before. So like in any aspect of my life. So I think I like clung on to that, like a lifeline because so many people were good at so many things and I felt like I wasn't good at anything. Um, and except for being loud, which I still am and always too loud. So I think that that really sparked a fire in me. Um, uh, worked with about three different community theater uh, companies in the end um, and stuck with that last one in the end a really long time. Uh, but I feel like I've met over like 300 people of different races, orientations, 
political stats like I I know so many different kinds of people because of community theater and that's why I think it's important um because you're in an environment you want to be in um so then I ended up auditioning for colleges um I auditioned for lots of colleges and I ended up going to Montevallo University for one year great school still think it's wonderful still have a lot of friends from there but it was too far deep into uh, Alabama for me to want to continue to be there um so I found Bernal University and the Gainesville Theater Alliance where I've been doing theater for the past four years and I would be lying if I said that it is not the saddest thing of my life to have to leave because it is such a um nurturing and wonderful place and to me they care about all the things that make theater the reason I care about it and not just uh to make money or to put on a spectacle even though we do those things for fun so yeah that's pretty much been my journey and I just graduated like a few weeks ago and now I'm in the sea of uncertainty and we love that good fun welcome Thank you for joining us in the sea of uncertainty. I've been here for a few years. The water is tepid. But, go ahead. Yeah, speaking as, I mean, Candace has pursued, like, full out a career in the arts. I went to theater school like you did. Like, I did the two-year conservatory acting program here in Chattanooga, and then moved away and finished my theater degree and then I was done when I graduated like did not want to do it anymore and just wanted to come home and make money like that was how I felt um and so like let's speak a little bit to like for somebody that finishes school and you are still so passionate about being in the arts and that being your chosen career path like what are the feelings towards making money and surviving in a monetary way versus like pursuing your passion and your art and I mean like Candace, you can obviously speak towards that too well I mean I want to hear Maddie's answer kind of without me putting in my two cents of what I've gone through so I'll let her answer first yeah, um, I think that's a great idea because I think uh, I think you and I have, will definitely have really different um, situations because I also before I even start discussing things, I just have to I just have to admit like my monetary status, which personally is close to zero, even though I've worked almost every year that I've gone to college, I've worked menial jobs and uh, small things, but. And I've worked, I've worked like at a movie theater, at a smoothie shop, you know, whatever. But I'm also really lucky because my parents really wanted me to focus on my academics um, because I had a lot of really hardcore classes. So they have been integral in me doing this. Um, I would not be able to do anything that I do without them. Um, Sometimes to my absolute regret, because sometimes I wish that I um, would just stop and just make money, but that's really... I don't have to do that. So I'm really, really lucky. I'd like to stay off first. Like I'm very blessed. I also understand that like my situation is not many people's situations. So I kind of have to take that in stride. But to me, to me, like for what's been so far, um, I'm already working on getting a couple of online jobs and I'm really working on trying to get free, uh, do freelance things um, with graphic design and things like that, because those are things I think I can work on in my free time. Uh, without having to sacrifice either auditions or internship opportunities. Text her. 
just sent her the word Frozen. It looks like I'm sending her the title to a Disney movie every time I send it. Maybe we'll play that clip. <laughs> Goodbye. She's gonna leave and then try to come back. I I hope. I assume. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. Into the unknown. That was good. Oh, she back. So, um, I have to say that the reason that I'm able to do all this is because I have a family that is mostly wealthy, as well as people around me who are willing to help me out. Um, as for example, I'm planning to live with my aunt and uncle um, this summer, and I don't have to pay them anything um, or not very much. Uh, which I know a lot of people, like, I currently have roommates who are going to have to pay um, rent every month, and I don't have to do that, at least for the first little while in Atlanta, which I already know is a super intense, wonderful advantage. Um, but like I said. Like you said, what? Finish the sentence. What just happened? <laughs> You were gone for a long time and we were crying about it and then you came back for a second. Yeah. <laughs> no! All right. Everything you said after um, won't have to pay rent for the first little while once you move to Atlanta. This is 2020, <laughs> y'all. This is how you uh, make a podcast in 2020. You <laughs> fail. We've, no. done, we've done two <laughs> No, you are you are uh, an angel blessed by God. This is not your fault. This is just a little bit of 2020 having its way with us. Um, I just want to keep this in because I feel like it fits our title. This is the third time that we have gone back and tried to record over her <laughs> frozen self getting cut off, and she's had to rejoin this call. Um, yeah, I think we just need to go with it. I think that it's wonderful that you have um, these opportunities, and I don't think you need to feel guilty about it at all. And I know that you you will and you do because not everybody is so lucky. And in many ways, I've had the same kind of feelings because um, I have my husband who um, was just so generous to say, hey, take these first couple of years and, like, really go after it. And I will take responsibility for the primary expenses of everything and you know I've tried and I've worked really hard to be able to contribute as much as I can but like if I didn't you know book an acting job we weren't going to not be able to pay rent that was never the case and so um I'm going to name drop (laughs) okay okay um I met a, a pal on set for um this little Christian streaming show that many people are not going to watch but for those of you who do, shout out The Encounter, Pure Flix. Um, but her name is Mackenzie Hart, and she, this was her first um, role in a TV anything at all since she had decided she was going to pursue it. And she kept talking about how she was just so nervous because it was her first thing ever on a set, 
and um, she just wasn't sure if she was ready, and she felt like um, she might just be there because her sister put in a good word for her, and she kept saying stuff like that all week, and I was just like, I'm sure, you know, you got it because you deserved it, blah, 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 and she was doing a great job, so I said that for, you know, good reason, Um, but towards the end of the week, she kept talking about her sister on and off, and I was finally like, who's your sister? And she said, um, Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> and I was like, oh, your sister Sabrina? And, um, and then we ended up staying up super late uh, the last night that we were all on set um, and just talking about how she, she felt guilty because she felt like that was going to give her opportunities that were maybe unfair. And I said, you just can't feel that way because this entire business is about connections and taking advantage of any and every, you know, in that you can find. And, you know, if you have one just because you were born, like, don't don't feel bad about that. Just, you know, work really hard to be talented and ready for opportunities that are going to come just a little bit maybe easier. But, I mean, I told her, like, if you're not talented, you're not going to get the role, no matter who your sister is. If you're not good for it, you're not going to get it. And so the same for us, like, maybe it's a little bit easier. We don't have to, like, cry because we're homeless (laughs) and we're trying to pursue something in the arts. But uh, we also have to work just as hard on the craft to, to get anything from it. So don't feel bad about, you know, having somewhere to live. Yeah, I, I, um, I feel very lucky, uh, in many ways, uh, because of that. But at the same time, and I'm sure you feel this too, I go out there and I realize how little, like you said, like how little that really matters in the end, because I know so many people at this point who have so many more advantages than even I do, and they still don't have anything to show for it. Um, I think a lot of arts and monetary things um, in, in, in their relation to each other is that um, if you can be um, blessed enough to do it, you have to try and not associate them at all. Um, if you can make money, that's wonderful. Um, but if you don't or won't as more is often the case especially when you're starting out then like that needs to be how it is so I'm willing kind of to do anything on the side um to make money because I know that the acting and the theater and the film are not going to be where my paycheck is for a probably a very long time if not ever so (laughs) so um yeah I just I kind of come to terms with that how like in my head at least when I think about it Fiscally, I cannot associate the two, or I also will lose my passion for theater if I'm thinking that it won't feed me. You know what I mean? She is wise, ladies and gentlemen. She is wise beyond her years. It's true. Snaps. I mean, like, so we've talked about this in the podcast before, too, but I guess I'll say it again because it's a different guest this time. Um, But, like, I'm in the position now where, like, I – got done with college I did not want to like I had teachers telling me go do an internship in Texas and do like an arts management uh master's degree and then get hired on at a theater there blah 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 and I was like I don't no I don't want to do that I want to go home I don't want to do this anymore and then like I got secretary jobs and and tried to just make money and not you know do the arts and then 
became a teacher and really enjoyed that and then lost that job and then wound up kind of feeling like maybe I had made a mistake completely staying away from the arts and maybe, you know, maybe should have always tried to incorporate it in some capacity. But, like, for me, there was just, there's too much guilt about relying on family for money. Like, I, I know we've said you don't have to feel guilty, but there's this notion that I always had, and I don't know if it's how everybody feels, that, like, something is lacking with you if you're not able to be independent. Like, if you Absolutely. can't... Yeah, if you can't um, provide for yourself. And I also come from a background where, like, women aren't necessarily expected to provide for themselves, which made me want to do it even more. <laughs> um so, like, the guilt shouldn't be a thing, but I, I feel like that's a super valid way to feel because it's such a, a push and pull of, I want to follow this passion, I don't want money to be part of it, but I you feel like a leech. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think definitely ten times a day when I'm thinking about doing this, I always think the most ridiculous things, like, well, in 20 years, when I'm actually making some money off this, I'll repay every dime. And not because I don't love my parents, but because I think that they deserve all the time that they spent and all the money they spent returned at least in some case them. Um, but then I also think I could also not make it in 20 years. I could, it could be 30 years. I always think about Olivia Coleman in my head every day of my life because she didn't make it until she was, I think, almost 30 or 40. Right. And... I'm willing to do that, but I've also just had to realize that making money um, separately of theater has to be also something that I enjoy, but something that I don't have, because I don't think I could really live without theater. I think that it's been placed in my life for a reason, right. but like, that's why I've um, started doing VIP kids, teaching uh, kids English online, as well as uh, started graphic designing, uh, because those are things that I really enjoy teaching and I like uh, designing but if I don't get to do them that's fine um, they have a flexible schedule and then I get to think about something else for a minute other than theater I am a firm believer that if you're just constantly thinking about acting and film and television and theater that you will drive yourself crazy because mm -hmm. you're just not going to get anywhere fast so thinking about that constantly <laughs> which I do think about it way more than I probably should I go to sleep thinking about it I wake up thinking about it but I I've tried to learn how to enjoy as many other things as I can so that that is not my sole purpose in life even if I feel like it's my passion or my you know my end goal so yeah that's well, what I feel I feel like I feel like someday in the future even if it's not you know 10 years from now or maybe 40 years from now that is like as a as dependent as I feel right now at some point I will be able to help them that's the only way that I really get through that feeling of guilt. So it's kind of funny that you said that because <laughs> I don't know how many of our listeners are country fans, specifically <laughs> early two thousands country fans. <laughs> I'm sure many. <laughs> but there, there was a song that I, as a kid, would hear and think, "Oh, that's gonna be me." Um, it was uh, Sarah. Oh, what what what's her name? <laughs> Sarah Evans. Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> Sarah Evans. And it was like, um, you know, love your baby girl. And it was like, hey, 
send me money. I'm so broke that it ain't funny, blah, blah, blah. And then the next chorus or verse is like, you know, I just bought you a house. Love your baby girl. Like, you know, and it was just the journey that you just talked about. It was like they had to support her and then she made it and they knew she would. And so it just, you know, she was able to take care of them. And I was like, that's going to be me for sure. Um, But I think also... uh, what I was thinking about while you were talking is that I'm so glad that we had you on because I do not know. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you figured it out this well so early because Ginny Beth and I um, were kind of like two extreme sides of the same coin where she was like, you know, I love it, but also I need to be independent. And so I'm going to just not bother with pursuing it. I'm going to find steady jobs. And I, on the other hand, was like, I have to be 100% available because obviously my bookings are going to come at the drop of a hat and I'm going to have to be able to just leave. And um, so I totally like isolated myself and I found ways to work with flexible scheduling because I was basically my own boss uh, teaching voice lessons and some acting classes at this little dance studio and um, doing some seasonal work at Rock City which we have all done Um, but it was all easy to leave and um, but I mean I was just constantly thinking that my real job was this role that I hadn't landed yet and um but I never actually had that job most of the time like you know 95 percent of the time the job that I was supposed to be doing I wasn't doing and so there was this constant anxiety about that and I wasn't allowing myself to put my focus into anything else that I could be passionate about and there's lots of things that I love but um I just thought you know I have to be 100 percent focused and ready and so I would take the tiny measly scraps of money that I had you know worked for and like use them all to pay for acting classes because I was like I have to be ready I have to just you know put it all in you know if I'm doing this I have to do it 100% and then and then you know she was the other side where she kind of just let it go for a few years and and that wasn't any good either and it sounds like from what I'm hearing how I'm perceiving it that you are going to try to have this balance of like having a professional life of things that you genuinely enjoy and will put your total focus on while you're there but then also being open and that was another thing you said theater I dropped theater because being involved in a community theater show for three months and having to commit to those rehearsals meant I couldn't take a paying job and it was all about success to me was getting hired Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a paying acting job that meant I was a professional I don't I um it's it's hard for me to even speak about this and feel like I have any kind of knowledge or authority because the fact of the matter is all the paying jobs that I have received are not from professional companies. They're from uh, small businesses or entrepreneurs. They're not from anyone that I would, no one I would really put on my resume, to be honest. Um, most of the short films I do, I do completely free or for a stipend of gas. Um, so sometimes, like, I, like, like you said, like I, to me, I think originally in my head, now luckily I think I figured this out when I was in college because I was thinking about it so much um, before it actually happened to me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But for a while I was thinking, if I don't get hired, because I have had lots of friends who have had professional jobs and I have yet to have a real one, to be honest. Um, So sometimes it can feel like 
well, I'm not a real actress because I don't have the job. I don't have uh, even the resume to say that I do. Um, everything that I've ever done has been for free. Even if it's been in a professional grade, I have not done it for money. I have not done it for money. And that's like the cutoff of what makes it important. And suddenly I just realized that because they tell this, uh, this at school, and I've also read it in multiple books, and I feel – I write it on everything because it's just so important to me. And I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but, like, auditioning is your job. That's what you have to love. And I do love auditioning. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I got really lucky. I know tons of people hate it, but I actually love auditioning. So I feel like such a, <laughs> a turd even saying that because I know so many people are groaning and cringing because they hate it. Um, like my sister hates it and everyone I pretty much have ever met hates it. But to me, once you learn to love that, then I don't think it really matters if you have the job because that is the job. So everything else is like, I'm making money, but my job is going to audition. And then when I leave, I don't have to think about it anymore because more than likely I'm not going to get it. So like, it's easier to let it go. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that that, yes, I've heard that so much. And I feel like the people who have the ability to like lock onto that and actually do it in real life (laughs) I don't understand them because I and I don't want that to change for you and I don't want to say this and sound like a negative a negative Nelly but um I think starting out I was able to maybe have that for a minute but then you audition so many times and you you want to feel like it matters the time you're putting into it. And the yeah. way I was doing it, especially where I was like obsessive and, um, you know, doing a good audition and knowing that like I did the best job I could, mm-hmm. it wasn't validating. Having someone say, we want you for the part, that was the only thing that was going to validate me. Yeah. And so having like putting everything into it, being so thoughtful and systematic and, um, you know, academic and artistic, you know, in different aspects as I could, you know, putting everything into every audition and then not having anyone validate me, mm-hmm. it stopped feeling like it's my hard. job. Yeah. And yeah. it started feeling like it was sucking my soul out of my body. <laughs> I understand. Especially because I wasn't doing anything else to fulfill me in the meantime. I had yeah. no That's, theater. That's, I think, where I would have originally lost it because theater has been my life and film like doing any kind of creative project has been most of my life um so I think the fact that I do take the time a regardless because I've been I've been to quite a few auditions at this point I've been rejected every single time I have never really I feel like gotten even any kind of small break um so I feel like at this point I know a good bit about rejection even if it hasn't really started in my real real life yet um but I've been, not been in plenty of things all my friends have gotten jobs at our conferences that we go to I have never received anything so I think for a little while that was soul-sucking because then I would go to my when I would be in an academic show for college and I would be you know top of my game I'd get into a show I'd be, you know, have a good amount of lines. I'd be a good character. I felt like I was doing good work. And then all I could think was, I'm I'm putting so much into this, like, academically. I just feel like I do more than I have to. And then I felt like when it came to making money, that's where I was failing. And I think that is such a hard thing to, like, reconcile with yourself is that you may be valuable, but no one's paying you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that your worth is way more than, like, a dollar paycheck to some people. 
Um, and all I could think was, that, you know, I'm doing so well in school. Why am I not doing well when I go out into the real world? And, you know, partially it's because of the pool of people. And then partially it's because, you know, right now, wonderfully, we're living in a time where we want to tell stories more than just like a blonde white girl, which I am. But also I think it's knowing, I think from knowing, my, one of my favorite professors um, is a current actor and he has done things. But the reason I love him so much is because not only do I love auditioning, but he made me love it without the soul-sucking part because he was like, you're not going to make it for so long. I think having someone tell me that straight off the bat wiped all the expectations. He was like, you're good, but you're not going to make it. Like, maybe not like now. You know, that's the whole thing to me. Is that, To me, it's more of a waiting game than it is a day-by-day process, which is why cooking and reading and uh, being obsessed with movies and television and uh, designing and things like that. That's why those things are so important to me. If I didn't have those things, I think I would lose it. Um, But just knowing that it is a time thing and that someday, even if it's in the smallest way, I think it will happen for me because I think it'll happen for anyone who chooses to work on it long enough. I really do believe that because I don't know if you've been around, you know, there's some crazy people in the industry who you're like, how did you get here? But they're there. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that the more I try to exist in this world of professional acting and pursuing that, um, the more I study people who have had success, like um, any actors who are listening to this who have not read The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide by Jenna Fisher, get it, read it. It's very, very important. Um, And the gist of it is that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And, um, you know, there's so many actors that, you know, like you mentioned earlier, they don't make it until their forties or even older. And, um, but they've been trying, you know, starting where we are now in your early twenties or mid twenties, um, mid to late twenties. And, um, so it's just, uh, it's tough to wrap your head around, especially, you know, there's there's pursuing acting professionally whether it's theatrically theatrically or um in film or television um but then there's also a lot of life that hopefully is happening around you and for you and so you know through all of my love for this and wanting to pursue it I got married and that's been a blessing I think to my little baby career but also for us as a couple there's conversations about like when are we going to have kids and then i have to think all right uh how does that affect my ability to to do this anymore once that day comes and so it's it's definitely been me pursuing this is something that's pushing that back and i'm at peace with that but like we're getting to the years where soon there's not going to be as much peace with that to push it back, push it back, push it back. And so, yeah, yeah. it's never, it never gets That's so easier. Hard. I don't envy you. Yeah, it never gets easier. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, you start out and, and you want it so bad. And then, you know, a few years pass and you get your small breaks. And, and it's, it's really like a gambling addiction because mm-hmm. the more little breaks that you get, the more you're like, I can do this. I just did it. <laughs> I just did it. And then I met these other people and they're doing it. And we're like the same. And then they get a role. And I genuinely, every time that I know someone that gets a break, I get so excited because it means it's possible. 
And it's so encouraging to me and, and inspirational. And so, I mean, it really is. It's like a little addiction because you're like, if I just stay in the game, if I just stay in the game a little longer, I'm going to win a big hand. And uh, then years and years and years go by. <laughs> and you got to decide, you know. I think also what can bring you to peace with that if you're feeling, like, because this is how I feel all the time. Sometimes I do feel like, especially in these trying times. Amen. Uh, um, but I feel like in these times, sometimes I wake up and all I can think is how much I feel like for a minute that I'm wasting my life because, you know, I'm not saving lives. I'm not doing something, you know, that is so important, blah, 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 blah. I go through these scenarios in my head and then all I can think is, you know, it sounds so stupid. And I, you know, there's those uh, uh, text pictures that everyone's posting on Facebook, like, you know, in your darkest hours, who have you turned to? The movies, television, which is true. Mm-hmm. But at the same time to me, like, I like think about, I like, this is so cheesy. I just like go back in my head and I think about like ancient Greece and like the, the power of storytelling and how like it is what determines what you remember about a nation or about a group of people or so even if I feel like you know I feel like I'm doing something stupid like or I feel like I'm doing something that maybe doesn't matter as much I hate to say stupid because I'm way too blown in my words but like I'm doing a short film for a student and it's about some tired storyline about you know a daughter who you know is abusing drugs or I don't know something crazy short film writers we love you because you just you like to take us to the craziest places but um I feel sometimes like I'm not doing something important and then I think you know well maybe I'm not healing someone but the only thing I can like hold on to is like I'm working on the craft of being able to tell a story when stuff when crazy stuff like this happens and we don't know when the world's gonna end like that sounds or when it's gonna change so drastically that we need like we need like pulp fiction and we need like little women and things like that to tell the story of how it used to be. You don't know when that's going to end. And that sounds so cheesy. I just, that's the only way I can think about it is it has to be some higher calling or I can't reconcile myself with doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I Um, think, I think that, I mean, right now specifically, we're all doing nothing like, except for maybe some voiceover, like if you're lucky, but, um, outside of that, just starting out, you're probably not going to get a lot of jobs that you feel like were like important. You know, you're going to be on a commercial for old Charlie's and sit in the back and get blurred out in the actual commercial. And you're going to be there for eight hours. And then you're going to try to drive home from Nashville to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and you're almost going to fall asleep because it was an overnight shoot. And this is my personal experience. And, um, and you're not going to change anybody's life by doing that. But every time that you're on set, every time that you're in any kind of project, whether you have a big role or a small role, you learn more that you take to the next project. And then when the one comes along that is an important story or a great character that you need to, you know, get in their skin and tell their story, you know, you're ready. And so yeah. it, it, it's all important because it's all a big puzzle. Exactly. Um, and those are the first few pieces that you have to put in place. But I uh... I have a friend, uh, y'all know, um, Tyler Vaughn, he's a medical student, Mm -hmm. and I actually was talking to him about this a few weeks ago because I read in this book, I can't remember if it was by Jenny Slate or I don't remember who it was by, but they were talking about acting, and they were like, as much as it's silly, you have to think about your career as a doctor's career. You are not going to start working on patients immediately. You're not going to start saving lives the minute that you step out because you can't, you don't have this 
the skills or the tools to do it. You're going to have to go through four years or two years of, you know, learning how to like work on the people. You're going to have to go through your residency. Maybe that's an internship. Maybe that's just forcing yourself to go to auditions. You know, a lot of people don't become doctors for years. And it just sounds so silly because really I have a tendency to trivialize acting. So that's why I have to build it up in my head. Um, but that's what I have to think about it as. And he was like, no, I totally agree. Like, he's like, you have to work just as long as I do. I mean, maybe what I'm doing is more immediately important because, you know, someone's bleeding to death. I can't, you know, serenade you and you be well, but you know, we serve different purposes. If we all serve the same purpose, there'd be no point in there being different kinds of humans. So like, you know what I mean? That's how I, no, I, I think that I I definitely, Yeah, I love that. And I think that I've been in the same place. I think when you're a deep thinker, as most actors are, um, <laughs> the temptation to really trivialize <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what we do is is tempting, especially when nothing's really happening for you in that craft. Um, yes. But I mean, like we've been talking about during this quarantine, people turning to stories to get them through. And then, you know, even beyond that, just I've heard stories like, I mentioned this in the last podcast we recorded. Um, love Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. It's a podcast. Listen to it. Um, but no, he'll go to these cons and stuff. He was Lex Luthor on Smallville. And people will come up, you know, they'll like pay to meet him. And they'll be like, hey, um, my dad was going through cancer. And we watched this as a family. And it was the only time that he smiled. Or, hey, I was really depressed. And I was thinking about suicide. And then I found this and it made me laugh. And, you know, even if you're doing something stupid, it can be important exactly. for someone. Exactly. So, I mean. It takes someone out of the place that they are. And I full, that's why I fully support all content because I, I think even the silly stuff can mean something to someone. I, I, when I get bored, I watch, uh, I watch Apple commercials because I think they make me feel better about the world. And go watch one. I promise you will feel better because they're all about, like, I mean, first of all, they're about personalization. They're definitely trying to sell you something. But I think beneath that, whoever is making them, I'm not kidding. They're trying to, like, tell you that, like, that the world should be more connected. And they do it through dance and, like, amazing coloring and cinematography. And I – that is what I do when I'm bored. So I think, you know, that person who made that commercial, maybe they're thinking, I'm just selling earpods or whatever, airpods or whatever. But I go watch them when I, like, want to watch somebody – discover something that sounds so stupid but like that's I, why I can't disregard any content because yeah. I watch the weird you know the weirdest things make us happy it's just true like yeah. we all watch weird ASMR we all watch weird stuff that makes us feel like life is important so mm-hmm. I don't know who are, so judge, really? but who are we we're no one how are you so wise this is making me so mad <laughs> and very insecure about myself <laughs> oh Jenny Beth I I do feel like it's only because I gorge myself on content. I really do believe that. I don't think I would have gotten any of these views if I if I didn't go to the darkest places. Because I feel like I really have been depressed about acting before. Um, to the point where two years ago, when I was in, y'all saw my show, Monstrous Regiment, or um, Jane Beth, you saw it. Uh, um, I felt like after that show, I was never going to act again. And it was because specifically, I, I love my director now, but she she ripped me a new one. She told me she didn't think I had it. Um, she she you know she just didn't support me or love me the way I thought that she should have. 
um, or give me constructive criticism um, the correct way, in my opinion. And for some reason, that shut down, and I was depressed every day, and I was like, I'm never going to act again. What's the point if I don't have what it takes to make it? And then did another show, you know, because I, what else are you going to do when you're already on that path? So I did another show. It was a completely different experience, and I just realized that, you know, every different, everything's going to be different every time. But I started listening to podcasts about why I, I listened to BG, BGB Studios. They're based in LA, but also in Atlanta and um, Chicago, I think. I can't remember the other one. Um, I listened to them a lot, and they just constantly talk about, hey, we're all actors, and it took us all way longer than we expected. Because all those times you hear about someone, you know, you know, getting a role when they're like 15 or 16 or being picked out of a crowd, they are one in like five billion. It just doesn't happen. So, yeah, I just, I, this is so stupid. I feel like once I came to the realization that I wasn't special, everything got easier. Like, I don't feel the obligation to be special anymore because if someone sees it, they see it. If they don't, at least I'm having a happy life. I'm cooking, you know, I'm, I'm doing my tasty recipes. I'm going on a date with my boyfriend. I don't really need to think about how, I mean, I still have dark days. Who doesn't have dark days when it comes to the arts? I mean, you just feel like that's your one purpose in life and no one will let you do it. Like, you know, you can be so good and no one will let you in the door. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I'm going to feel that way forever. But most of the days that I sit here, if I just rant about it to myself for a few minutes, I realize, first of all, how really trivial the problem is, but how untrivial the job is. So I just, yeah, I feel like it's only because I've listened to much wiser people than I am that I can think about this stuff clearly. Because I know lots of people who, uh, I feel like they just let themselves be alone in it. And I think that is the least healthy thing you can do. That's definitely what I've done the past few years. And I just got recently to where you are. And it was kind of a weird timing for me to finally like have that realization moment but um you know we all have met each other in the we'll we'll call it the Chattanooga area North Georgia but um I've been telling myself like it's in Atlanta that's where you know stuff's gonna happen for me and so uh Andrew and I moved closer to Atlanta um this past December and right around right before we moved and then the month two months after I was just like you know what I feel like I've been depressed for two years and I'm kind of just like tired of being depressed. And, um, and it's so funny because I mean, in those two years, I, I look at my resume now and I, I feel proud of it. Like I've, I've gotten work. Um, and so I feel ungrateful for, for allowing myself to wallow in this place of just sadness even in spite of having opportunities, but I did. And um, it wasn't until we moved and we finally moved closer to the area that I thought, oh, once I get down there, like, that's when it's really going to kick off. But I was like, what if I just, like, live? (laughs) What if I just let myself be happy and be a human person that does multiple things? And, um, Honestly, maybe God was just waiting for me to get there because after that, I ended up getting a job interview for a place that I'm very excited about the opportunities that it's going to open up as far as performing and entertaining. And it'll probably be a primarily like children audience. And that's fine with me because 
at the end of the day, if I make little kids laugh, that's the cutest, most precious yeah. thing in the world. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm good with it. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't until I kind of opened myself up to the idea of maybe just finding a job where I could be creative, but it's a job and it's not just audition from job to job to job, like have yeah. a job. And, um, when I opened myself up to that, I found this one. And then originally my thought was going to be find a job that you don't hate, that you can be creative in, but has like set hours and then do theater again, because that was where I fell in love with acting. And then for, I'm trying to think when my last role even was, it's been at least four years, maybe five. And people don't even know in, like, our little theater community in Chattanooga that I did it. And it's yeah. crazy to me. And um, yeah. so it's yeah. been too long. And, like, even if you get a job in, like, a uh, commercial for dog treats, it's not fulfilling. <laughs> you don't leave set that day thinking, well, I fulfilled my calling as an actress. You just think, yeah. cool, I have $200. Yay. Well. I, I think I, I can't remember uh, how much I talked about it to you guys, but I spent last summer just being an extra on sets because I figured if I couldn't audition because I lived too far away that I would just go and do that every day. And I think it has its benefits, and I also think it has its um, uh, woes. Um, and I didn't leave set every day after just being sweaty and disgusting for eight hours and having you know, not very good food and not very good times and, you know, only walking away with like 80 to $90 thinking like, was that worth it? And then I realized that my like overwhelming feeling when I left those places was not, you I was part of something so important. It was the fact that like when I was doing the exact thing that I was supposed to be doing, that was the moments I did feel good. Like I enjoyed those things. Mm -hmm. So even if, you know, I don't, I'm trying not to do that anymore, mainly because I think it's a, um, I don't want to say it's a waste of time. Uh, I feel like that's silly to say, but I learned so much by doing that. Cause I did that in the entire summer. I probably did it about two to three times a week, but for every, for every person you meet that makes you feel like you won't be an actor, you meet like three people who make you feel like you will be an actor. So like, I just, I feel like that was a wonderful experience for me as like almost harrowing as it was <laughs> because it wasn't great I still feel like in the end it meant something to me which to me means when I actually get to the place that I want to be it'll be a million times better because it'll be like what I'm actually already doing but just amplified if that makes any sense yeah it makes sense and then for actors that are listening um I think doing extra work is a wonderful thing to do and then a wonderful thing to stop I agree. <laughs> because you learn a lot about lingo and just etiquette um, from being on a set and watching. Um, but do not let yourself be <laughs> fooled into thinking that that is, uh, I don't want to be offensive. Well, but, uh, don't be fooled into thinking that um, if you continue to do that, it will lead somewhere other than doing forever <laughs> yeah if your goal is to really act and and take on a character and tell a story you're not gonna probably fulfill that need by acting as an extra if your goal is to have maybe your hair and makeup and costuming if you get into like really good stuff um you might get that as an extra 
and some snacks. Extra work. Uh, I could do a whole podcast on extra work because I feel so many feelings about it. <laughs> I don't feel but, good um, ones myself, but that's just my own personal experience. I mean, I think I mean feelings as in uh, what it provided for me versus pains I took to do it, I think. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, we won't go into that. Yeah. But. but yeah, do it until you feel like you've gotten what you're going to get out of it and then stop. <laughs> Exactly. Gina, I was wondering something about you because the last thing that I saw you in was one of the best things I ever saw you do. And I was wondering, I mean, maybe this is getting too much into personal ter- territory, but sometimes I wonder why, um, I know we've been talking for an hour about not diving too deep into something and letting yourself other, have other things, but like, where are your thoughts at so far as like, what you would like to do next, which I know is a question we all hate to ask each other, so I hate asking you that. But, like, to me, from our phone conversation, it sounds like you would like to veer more towards doing more artistic things again. So what do you mean by that, really? I I think it sucks to be, like, almost 30 and figure out things that a 22-year-old is already figured out. But I think, like, I went the full-time job route as far as, like, being a secretary and then being a teacher and and for a while I was or for a couple years I was super fulfilled because I felt like I was making a difference in kids lives and that meant a lot to me um but just to be clear that like certainty doesn't exist in any job like people say like my parents are baby boomers and so acting was not something that they wanted me to pursue but they are also very loving, supportive people and eventually supported me while I did the acting program and then while I went off to college and finished my degree. Um, so, like, you know, I forgot where I was going. <laughs> um, but no, like, they were very sure that there was no certainty with acting. And so that was pretty ingrained in me. There was a hopelessness <laughs> for that career when I went into it um and and like this is something I wanted to ask you about too but we'll circle back to it but I met a lot of people that told me that I wasn't a good fit for it and I think they were right like I don't think I'm a good fit for acting I enjoy doing it like it means a lot to me yeah you mean the career rather than the action of acting yes like I was told I like my I don't remember if it was my first or second year in the acting program, but me and a few friends went to this seminar that was basically just to get our money. Like, it was not meaningful in any way, shape, or form. But I went with, like, five friends, or it was me and four four friends. And he was selecting people to go to, like, a, a New York training workshop. And he picked all four of my friends and then told me that I wasn't ready without any like information about me as a human or a resume or anything like that Hmm. he just looked at me and said you're not ready I can tell as a person you're not ready and I wish that I could go back to my younger self and not internalize that and I had lovely lovely teachers too they're like that's bs that guy's an idiot and they continued to push me and I think helped me become a, a great actor but Two, I had a lot of male classmates who 
told me, like, you'll have to get comfortable being super sexual, or you'll have to get comfortable taking clothes off, or blah, 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 all these things. So people, I was letting people over time build up a case in my mind about, like, this isn't a possibility. Like, I can't do this. And so eventually it got to a point where, and I think it was the right decision because I'm thankful for everything that I've learned through all the experiences that I've had. But, um, you know, I hit a point where I was like, I just want to help people. And I didn't think that I could help people in the way that I wanted to and still pursue an acting career. So I didn't do it. Um, But then when I lost the job that I thought I was going to be at for many, many years, um, it became clear to me that I had made a mistake in completely shutting something out that was as meaningful to me as the arts have been. Um, Truthfully, like, I don't know if if anything will ever come of it, but in my soul, (laughs) I I would occasionally get, like, a reminder, like, hey, you're not writing, you know, when I was working at the school, like, it would be like, why aren't you writing? You haven't written anything in, like, a really long time. Why aren't you doing that? And I'd be like, I've got a Spanish lesson to put together. Leave me alone. Yeah. And, and like, I think the thing is, no matter what it is, for me, like, what you've been saying about balance, that's got to be true across the board, no okay. matter what career it is. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're passionate about something, and that's your single view, what happens when that thing is stripped away? Yeah, and, exactly. And I think, you know, like you guys have pursued the arts, and, and I didn't go that route, but it's the same outcome if you are just so single-minded towards something and don't allow for that balance, it, it falls apart. I don't have any idea currently what I'm going to do in general with any part of my life, but um, <laughs> uh, the hope is like what Candace said about finding a job where you're not miserable and you can make some money to not feel terrible. But I too, like, I'm about to be 30 and like my mom and dad are still very supportive and lovely and are still going to help me out where I need it. But I'm not married. So like, I'm the only, I'm the only income. <laughs> so I've got to figure out like, you know, like that guilt is obviously going to be there about do I let mom and dad still help me? <laughs> do I do I claim my independence? Yeah. Or do I still accept a little bit of help, have a part-time job, and then try and just live that balance of like writing, being involved in theater, you know, just yeah. doing the things. I think we don't live in a society that lends itself to like do what makes you happy. It lends itself to like success like figure out how to be successful at something and that leads me to my next question because I've been thinking about this for a while is like for me I always thought if I pursued acting there would be parts of myself that I would have to slice off like that as a human being I would have to like slice away at the parts of myself that I liked you know like Mm -hmm. I would do auditions and I hated them because I can't, I'm not, I don't think I could ever get myself to a place where I could walk in and be like, hello, look at me. I'm great and beautiful and you should, you know, like I, I'm small and squirrely and, you know, don't look mean, but pretty cantankerous in general. And so like having all false information, but continue, whatever it just, 
seems, very, seems right like, to me. Small, humble example. <laughs> but like in bigger ways, like what the male classmates said about like sexuality needing to be somebody's comfort zone. Like I wasn't willing to slice away at those parts of what make me a human being just to pursue a successful acting career, which in my mind was like being able to pay all your bills with acting. But I think in my brain, what I'm thinking is that if you are pursuing any career for like the kind of money that really famous actors make, you're probably going to have to make those sacrifices of slicing away at yourself as a human being in, in any job. Because yeah. like if you're pursuing like business, there's going to be times where you could throw somebody under the bus to put yourself ahead. And like that, that's business. You know, there could be times if I were pursuing an acting career and I wanted to like make millions of dollars, somebody could say, take your shirt off. And if, you know, that would be me slicing away at who, what makes me a human, you know? So that's, a, I feel like that's across the board too. But I wanted to ask you specifically, like, is there something that's come along that has felt like it would be slicing at your humanity if, if you did it? I mean, luckily, I, um, I mean, we've talked about this before, but we grew up in very different houses. Uh, we both grew up religious, but I feel, I feel differently. Also, I feel differently about things because I think I, I grew up with the internet. So I feel very like different about a lot of, a th- lot of things. Um, for example, I think the easiest example for me is like a profane language. Like to me, it doesn't matter as much as long as I'm, there's like one thing I won't say like I refuse to say and I usually aren't if I've been on set and it's been written into the script I can ask them if I won't have to say it and most of the time people have been pretty cool about it like they've been like oh why and I'll tell them and they're like oh just say anything else like I don't really care um that's not always going to be the case but so so far so lucky like I haven't really had to like do that but I did have a role recently where every other word out of my mouth was a cuss word and I think to me that didn't matter as much because first of all, I don't, I think we give power to words. So I think if you, yeah, I have a whole theory about that, which we've talked about before, but I think for me, the thing that I have to ascribe to more than anything, um, I don't, I haven't ever had to do anything sexual or anything like that. So I can't really talk to that, but is that your character is not you and everyone who doesn't realize that (laughs) doesn't understand acting. But most people will, I think. I think that's like the whole thing we have to attribute that to. Um, obviously, there are parts of me that won't go so far um, as to do certain things. And I would draw the line of those things. But then to me, that's the universe or God or whatever you believe in. If you're drawing the line there, that's God saying you didn't need that job anyway. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it might seem like that was the one thing that you got and it's the thing that you need. And you're like, if I only did this one thing that I don't agree with, then it'll it'll all be okay. And it's like, I just don't think it's worth it. You got one life, you know? So, uno life. So, I don't know. Yeah, Candace, what do you have anything to say? Well, I, yeah, I just, I feel like along the same lines, I, um, I feel like growing up in Southern Christian homes, Um, Hollywood has really been vilified um, and the entertainment industry is like, you know, that's where the liberal people who just have no morals, that's where they go when they make movies. And um, and so at the beginning of my little tiny baby career, um, 
those were my fears too. It was like, oh no, I don't want to get naked, so I'm probably never going to make it because obviously we're all trying to go into the porn industry. But um, <laughs> that's my point is that some it's kind of like when you're a kid and you think, oh no, what's going to happen when I encounter quicksand? Like that's going to be a big <laughs> issue in my life. And um, thus far, it's not been a problem. And yeah. and of course, I've seen like on Actors Access and backstage roles that say, hey, requires nudity yeah. or, you know, simulated sex. And I just don't audition for them. Exactly. And that's it. And that's the end of the problem. And so it's never been like sprung on me. And it's yeah. never been like, we want you and you're perfect, but like you have to do yeah. this thing. And so um, I feel like, you know, your example about it could happen in any career. And it's true. There's temptations for you know, you to compromise your morals in any career, but you have the option of just not. Yeah. I feel like the idea that it happens more as an actor than in any other career is just something that we were conditioned to believe. Like, yeah. I don't really, I'm not saying, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't know. Obviously, like, like you said, throwing someone under the bus at a company can feel so very different than taking your shot for a scene or, but to me, they're just so similar. Like, you know what I mean? I think that we look at them as different because one is physical and one is mental. But to me, they're very, very similar. So, like, or that's what I've, you know, realized is that they are pretty similar. So I think as long as you do what you're comfortable with, most people that I've encountered have agents and people who will work around those things because that's what you're comfortable with as a person. They're, they're not as, like, unforgiving and angry and overlordy as everyone makes them seem or like what people in acting school will make them seem to be like like if you can't do this then you can't be an actress it's like well you're just not that kind of actress and there's nothing wrong with that mm -hmm. and I also think a lot of me personally have to do with what the action means in the story I don't know about you guys but like if something is because like I always tell my mom and my dad or I used to tell them this all the time well there's got to be a bad guy in a story there's not always, um, and if that's what you're offered and that's your task, you can't always have a good moral outcome if none of the situations in the movie or television show or theater production are all good. Like, that's just not going to, that doesn't always tell the story that needs to be told. So for me, I think it's more about weighing each specific project, just like you would everyday life, weighing each specific, you know, project you're assigned at a company or person you're you know given to like teach things to or whatever like literally whatever the situation is so I feel like I feel like it's a lot simpler than we make it mm -hmm. I think and that a lot of a lot of it is just fear of the unknown going into yeah. it and and thinking that it's going to be more prevalent than it is and I think that we also are trying to do this in the southeast and um I'm sure that there are areas of LA where you know, little short films are being made where this is a lot more of the content and it's just not happening here. And so, like, we can't speak to the no. nation's entertainment industry and how all young aspiring actors and actresses are having to go about navigating the, these problems or issues. But um, in my experience, those fears have basically been a non-starter. Like, they haven't come up. I mean, I, like, and I don't have any... I have, like, two commercials worth of film experience and, like, one student thing. But I've been asked to do that stuff, like, in yeah. here, around here. Like, yeah. I was asked to fill in for a girl that somebody wanted to fire at a local uh, theater in a show they were doing. 
and so they asked me to come watch it and and it was about the three women in Jesus's life so I came in thinking it was a pretty like moving inspirational thing that would like uh, coincide with our backgrounds which is stupid considering what theater it was and they wanted me to play the Mary Magdalene character and so this character at a certain point gets on straddles Jesus's lap and then takes her top off and proceeds to make out with Jesus Christ Uh (laughs) and so like yeah, it was it it was, would have been hard for me to go into acting believing that I wasn't going to also have that experience several times over. Yeah, like, your experiences totally shape your perspective and me yeah. never having had to deal with that and never you know <laughs> since like I, it it, I, it doesn't cross my radar like it would you. And then on the like on the other side of things I've done just theater that wasn't bad and had big consequences of when someone didn't think highly of it or thought something was wrong about it. Um, And, like, I think that all just lends to, like, your path is your path. Like, you guys have both – you've had ups and downs with the arts for sure. Like, you've had things come up. But, like, the way that – not to get spiritual, but I'm going to do it – the way that – God has sort of worked out your path for you, like, maybe certain things have been more positive to steer you in a certain direction, whereas certain things have been a little bit weirder for me to stir, stir me in a different direction. Stir? Stir me in? I said stir in a short direction. I meant steer. Um, but I think that's, like, you know, your calling is, is your calling. Like, if you, if I'm meant to be, I feel like probably my if I am supposed to be in the arts it's more behind the scenes rather than in front of the camera as much as I love acting I just don't think I'm meant for that personally but like you know our our callings are our callings and and surviving the arts is all about finding your balance and finding like what your real passion is like a, a thing that would get on my nerves so much would be to, like, be in shows, be in things with people. And, um, and not be able to control what was going on. (laughs) Which I know we've all felt that way, but, like, thinking in terms of, I wish that I could creatively be a part of what was going on on the other side of the table, rather than listen to somebody that didn't know what they were talking about yeah well I think that I think that I'm just super excited to see you know what is going to come next for you because I'm 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 proud that you're kind of coming out of the era where you're pushing the artistic side of you down and um I know that everything is feeling very uncertain but um I think that God's going to work it out because I think that you being open to it is what's going to allow you to find your way into what is supposed to be for for you um and i think that you know the theme of this episode which i didn't know it was going to be but i feel like it's kind of balance because um that is the wisdom of madeline brashear and we we (laughs) need everyone to hear it you've got to find a balance for yourself where you get to 
express your creativity and pursue the art that you love and that you're passionate about and that brings you genuine joy whether it's making you money or not and then in the meantime you got to make money because that's life but um I think that uh if you're writing then (laughs) Maddie and I are probably going to be blessed by that because she's already written some stuff that has some great monologues but um but I think that it's gonna I think as long as you are doing what brings you genuine joy, you fill your cup to pour into other people, whether that be in a professional sense, somewhere outside of that artistic thing that you're pursuing or within that artistic field. So, yeah. yeah. And I think every time that you deny yourself the things that are inherently you, like writing or any of those things, then like to me, that's the opposite of what anyone created you wants like I don't think like the 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 path of least resistance is to not resist you know (laughs) I think that's like the takeaway for me all the time is that every time that I want to quit or I think that's a giant part of me and if I don't do that then I'm just wasting I'm wasting myself you know Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah lucky us that we all know each other yeah we we so lucky man um and lucky and lucky you guys that are listening because I don't say that with anything about me behind that because I just think that Maddie has given you some nuggets and you need to you need to listen and absorb them and use them I don't care if you're you know 60 or 16 it's it's good stuff it makes me so mad and then, you know, in a whole other episode, we can talk about my my problems with image. So we'll get into my real issues in another time. Oh, so. yeah. We all have a lot of issues that we didn't <laughs> talk about. That's that's for show. <laughs> Don't you guys go thinking I'm perfect because I really ain't. But you're, you're, you're getting there. You're getting close. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that I myself, I'm just super excited to see what's next for you. Um, Thank you. You are equally... Um, pursuing film and theater is that kind of how I understand um, it? Currently, what's happening? Real quick recap: mm-hmm. I am uh, auditioning for a lot of Atlanta internships. If I don't succeed in getting any of those, it's not going to freak me out. Uh, I'm just going to take lots of acting classes and try and do as many um, try and do as many uh, showcases as I can to perhaps pursue an agent. So it's just kind of whichever one takes me first. That's the one I'll go for first. That's kind of my plan right now. Okay, well, I have a buddy, and we are going to be writing some scenes because she wants to put together a reel for herself. Um, So if I can find a – we're literally writing it. So, yeah, we might might just throw you in the mix. Yeah, and I'm just making short films. Um, If anybody wants to see any of them, they're on my friend's uh, YouTube page, Lauren Wilson. I'm in pretty much all of them because we're the only people that know each other (laughs) in the world. (laughs) So I'm her muse. Go – me um but yeah that's what I do is just make sure films with my friends so that's kind of what I'm doing right now I think that's gonna be one of the most magical times of your life and so just (laughs) you know live in it and love it it's good all right and I'm I'm so happy I know you both because uh you guys are constant inspirations to me so I just had to I had to throw that in there yeah that's not real true okay well, thank you for being on our podcast today, Madeline Joy Brashear. 
AKA MJ, AKA Mitty. Ma- Mitty? Oh, nope. <laughs> no one calls her Mitty. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from, but I love that. Just a new one. Just throw a new nickname in the mix. I'm going to change my Instagram handle tonight. Mitty. Oh, man. Whatever. You know, Madeline. Madeline Joy. This is going that. It sounds Thank good. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I think it's super, super hip and cool what y'all are doing. You know, it's 2020. <laughs> what else is there 20, to do? 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All we right. We love you. We love Bye. you. We I kiss you. you. Bye. Bye. Do 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 in our best. Do 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 in our best here. Hey. So that was fun. Yeah. So it's just me and Candace now. Yeah. Um. And upon further reflection, uh, I have realized that Maddie and I may have spoken uh, a bit dismissively about the dangers and the the things that are really, truly a horrible problem that too many women have had to face, um, including our own Ginny Beth. And uh, so we got to talking a little bit longer after we stopped recording and realized that she's been through some things that are just horribly unfair and, uh, and really have shaped her viewpoint. And I just want to apologize for being dismissive and give her a chance to, to give a little bit more information because she said that she is willing to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to us to add a little bit to the end as well. Cause I felt like I was super awkward and uncomfortable most of the chat because I was just reflecting on the, the bad experiences that I had had. Um, and, and it wasn't your guys' fault, you know, at all. You didn't know what these experiences were. And when we continued to talk with Mad after we stopped recording, I opened up more and, you know, mentioned that I think I said, you know, uh, in the actual recording that I'd been asked to take my top off in that play where I was going to have to like kiss Jesus. <laughs> I was like, no, that's okay. I'll pass on that. Um, but there was also like a, um, like a male co-star that like groped me when we were doing stunt choreography. Um, Cause he was very uh, intoxicated on the drugs. And then he also tried to uh, like, we had practiced him choking me. Uh, he was supposed to like try to kill my character and we had practiced that many times and then on stage that day when we performed it because he was so high he actually choked me (laughs) and so I had just a string of really not that great experiences that made me feel like acting wasn't something I could do and still feel like myself and feel safe and and feel like I wasn't asking to become something that I wasn't, you know, if that makes sense. But thankfully, and I am so thankful that my best friends in the whole world, Candace and Mad, are able to pursue acting in the post Me Too era because it's, things are changing, maybe not as quickly as we'd like, but they are changing. And that's, I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful that less and less people are having the kind of experiences that I had and much worse than what I had. I'm, I'm thankful that 
that stuff is largely getting phased out. So, so yeah, that's what was going on in that episode that uh, was sort of like the underlying current, but that we didn't actually talk about until we were done recording. But that explains why maybe some stuff is glossed over rather than us digging in deep. We should have we should have dug in deep while we were recording, but we didn't. So that explains all of that for you guys. Yeah. So obviously we super appreciate you being honest and being willing to share that. And then also just letting us know where you're coming from. And I think it's a great um, opportunity just to remind everybody that your experiences do not define the world, (laughs) you know, and I'm, I'm so thankful and lucky that I haven't had to go through the things that you went through on stage and, um, with, uh, you know, your acting career and, um, yeah. So just because somebody doesn't tell you that they've been through something doesn't mean you should assume that they haven't. Yeah. Maybe we should all just carry that in our minds and be kind and careful and considerate and, uh, and yeah. It's true. But I, but I love you so much and it wasn't your fault that you didn't know. So just remember that we are all just doing our best here. Yeah. And if, if we ever say anything that upsets you as an audience member, please reach out to us and let us know. Um, please do it in a kind, considerate way and we'll do our best to correct it in a kind, considerate way. Yeah, we just want to talk about, you know, ways that we can do our best, and we mean that, and um, the ways that we are doing our best, and um, so if you ever have uh, information that you can educate us with that will help us to move towards that goal of of being our best, doing our best, we want it. Yeah. We will accept it with humility, and um, again, we just ask that you do it in a kind way. Yeah. Because we will cry. (laughs) (laughs) We really will. We'll cry into our tea mugs. So be kind. Be kind to each other. And we love you guys so much. We love you. Thank you for listening. Bye.